Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hey, everybody. It's Claire and Nicole. This is one of our little mini episodes. We, uh, in the previous episode, as you might recall, spoke with Dr. Annette Telly, who is the superintendent of Dell Valley ISD. And she generously invited us to attend the ribbon cutting for Smith Elementary School, which we just went to this morning and came back from. And we had some thoughts about that experience, which we wanted to share with y'all. So Nicole, how, how was it? It was the best. I have to say I had several moments where I felt a little bit weepy, but in a good way, right? Just really, just my heart was full, I think, you know, just seeing the community come out and be so excited about the school, seeing teachers there who were very excited also uh, to use this new building, the way that Dr. Telly and others talked about how these children really deserve to feel as if they are worthy of such a, a beautiful school and that they really want to emphasize that to kids. It The whole thing was just really, really sweet. And the perfect, I think, kind of bow on this episode that we did with Dr. Telly is really seeing how her words have meaning. She has integrity. And mm-hmm. we got to see it in action with the opening of the school. So it was fantastic. It was. It was very nice. It was a very nice experience. I think that they shared that Smith Elementary previously was 50 years old, so it was time for Almost a to new... the day. Yeah. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. So it was time for a new school, and the principal who spoke, I believe she had been there for 26 years, so she had seen so much, so many changes over the years, and I'm sure, you know, kids grow up, and uh, I can't imagine what it's like to have that experience so long in that school and then to be able to be a part of the new beginning. So it was really exciting. And the thing I kept thinking was we can have nice things because it was such a beautiful um, school, what's the word, school facility. And they talked about the importance of also having it uh, be available to the community to use. They had a special dedicated community room because for those of you who don't know, in this area, this part of Southeast Travis County, we don't have a dedicated community center, community space, and a lot of the times that falls on our schools. So they were very intentional about setting aside a piece of the school for you know, things like HOA meetings, PTA meetings that the community can use. And I love that because it helps bring people into the school and feel that buy-in, like, oh, yeah, this is what my tax dollars go to. Oh, yeah, this is also for me too. So I had that feeling of, Oh, like finally, we were in, the, the investment is happening where it should be happening. So true. The intentionality of every piece of the building was really obvious. Uh, and that it was really nice to see. Yeah. Yes. And there was so much thought behind um, utilizing elements that are proven to help improve uh, students' educational experience. I hope I said all that right. <laughs> like having lots of natural light, having these sensory walls where kids could touch them and bright colors, things. This is something we talked about too with Dr. Telly. The idea I, I thought of this was form over function, like 
the form of the place where you are learning f- has a heavy function on your experience as a learner. Does this make sense, Nicole? It does. No, okay. it absolutely does. Um, I know the words start to get a little jumbled, but <laughs> your meaning is very clear. And and yes, what you were saying is exactly what they intended, right? Which is to not only have a beautiful space, but that it is highly functional for peak learning and everything has been thought through. And also with longevity in mind, um, they're good stewards of the money that they received. Like for instance, most of the courtyards, if not all of them actually, right, um, have turf instead of grass, which is longer lasting, will require less maintenance over time, and also is cushiony for kids. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very easy and safe for them to play on. So it just creates these really beautiful and functional spaces. So yeah, there's that's exactly it. Form and function, right? Should yes, be, together, married. Should oh. be married. Yeah, they should be best friends. And that is what they created in this school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was just thinking, um, well, I'm really lucky because my son's going to be going to a school that was built in 2018. So very new. Um, but the idea of us investing in our schools, prioritizing spending there because our, our children will have a better learning experience um, just in, in a space in a spatial manner. I really love that. Um, and I guess something we can transition into talk to you a little bit is how this school was able to be built. So Dr. Telly helped highlight this for us that with uh, schools in Texas, local ISDs, there's two sort of buckets of money. There's bond money, and that can be used for, I think of it like capital campaigns. That can be used for buildings, facilities, buses, safety, uh, like, the, like the physical part of schools. And then you have your other bucket of money, which is the school budget, and that's for maintenance and operations, paying for teachers, and they and they can't really cross over into one another. So it's not like you can pass a school bond and and tie in teacher raises. They have to by law they have to be set aside for specific things. All that to say in 2019 there was a school bond measure on our ballot here in Del Valley ISD to allocate money to build this school that we just went to go tour and they were allowed to do that because voters said yes we are wanting to make this investment. And that's important to highlight because this is how we get nice things is by voting for them and making that funds available. Well, and Claire, can we rewind? Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I know that this came up in one of our conversations, and I also know we've had some offline conversations about it, which is how does even a bond initiative get started? So Mm -hmm. can you rewind? Because I know you were a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think the way it happened – oh, actually, Dr. Telly told us a little bit about this, that – uh, demographers will come before the school board and talk about the growth projections for a district. So the school board will take that information and decide, do we need to put a school bond package together? Do we need to start thinking long-term about new schools, about rebuilding existing schools, uh, investing in a new fleet of buses? So, th- so it's very much a data-driven decision. So they have this idea of, do we need to make these funds available? Some school districts, and Del Valley did this, will assemble a task force of parents and community members to prioritize what we want to put in that bond. So it's very much a public community experience. Then they will decide what's going to be in the bond, and that goes on the ballot for voters to decide on. 
some areas you see it taken a step further, and I was involved in this, where community members will create a PAC, a political action committee, to fundraise money to advocate in favor or against a school bond. Uh, myself and uh, four other community members got together, by the way, we're all volunteers, and decided we really want to see the school bond get passed because this is something that the school district needs. And if we can help amplify that message, we want to do that because these students should have these amazing places to attend school. And can so, I, I want to interrupt you just a tiny yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. Which that's is, a lot. <laughs> well, no, I just wanted to highlight. So when you felt invested in getting that bond measure passed and, and being kind of an advocate for it, who was that kind of lobbying force that asked, hey, we're doing this thing. Will you support it with your time and energy? Who made that ask? Say that again. Explain it to me. Who, who asked you to be a part of supporting the bond? Was that the school board? Was that oh, Dr. Telly specifically? Well, actually, it, it was um, my friend, Vanessa Fuentes, who is now a Austin council member. She represents a lot of the area that's in Del Valley ISD. And she called me up and said that herself and a few other folks wanted to help get the word out about this school bond and would I come on and help fundraise. And I was like, of course, I would love to help. As I mentioned, my son goes to a fairly new school, and that school was built with the previous bond money. So I was like, if I can help get this bond passed so other kids can attend an equally beautiful, wonderful school, I am more than happy to put my time and effort into that. So she's the one who asked me to come on board and help. Um, so together her and I fundraised, uh, and then we spent that money mainly on mailers just to let folks know in the district, this bond's coming up, make sure that you're registered to vote and vote in favor of it. The school district is not allowed to advocate for the bond. They can provide information about it, but there's rules like they cannot wait into that territory. So, um, so that was that fell on us, and we were happy to do it. And some school districts will have opposition campaigns saying, no, 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 we don't want this bond. We didn't have that, which was helpful. I think it had the highest voter support out of any school bond in Texas for that year, 2019. Um, but some districts desperately need these schools, but the opposition force comes out, people vote it down, and no schools for them. No new schools. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and let's highlight too, what was that percentage that the positive voting for the bond? Wasn't it, didn't they say 65%? Well, uh, there, so there's two school bonds. I think okay. ours had over 70% okay. approval. Del Valley ISD put another bond measure on the ballot in 2022, and that had 65, over 65 percent approval. So this district historically has been very receptive to school bonds and they see the value in that. So we haven't struggled with getting them passed, but some districts very much have a hard time. And this is what happens. I think it was in Leander ISD, they put a school bond ballot on school bond measure on the ballot and voters voted it down. So they can't build the new schools that they need because their population's growing. What happens then is the school board has to redistrict and move students around because they need to have a somewhat even enrollment across the district. Well, parents get mad about that. I was going to say, that's probably not well received. Exactly. And... uh, and they have to understand when we don't when when voters say no, 
we can't build these schools. We have to get that yes. And they have to make accommodations based on on the existing schools. So this is the fallout, and this is why it's important for us to talk about it so folks can understand the, the, the consequences or the unintended consequences that might happen. Yes. And I remember um, at the, the ribbon-cutting ceremony, it was also put out that only 40% of bond measures across the state passed. Mm-hmm. So it, it there definitely seems to be a movement, <laughs> or mm-hmm. maybe it's not a movement. Maybe maybe I won't go that far. But for sure, Dell Valley is within the minority of right. districts who were able to get their bond measures passed. So, Right. And, and I'll say this too. School bond ballot measures are confusing because I think when they are on the ballot, they have to have some language saying that it will increase taxes, even if it doesn't increase the tax rate. They still have to say that. I think the the state legislators made it so that that's the language, even if it's not true. That sounds like one of those um, things, too, that has a really innocuous title. Something like truth in ballot measures, you know, where you're like, oh, well, we do want truth in ballot measures. But the truth is it actually misleads in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it cloudies the water and makes it confusing. So... As we know here, that makes us nuts. We don't, we want things to not be confusing. We want them to be clear and easy to understand. Uh, But Nicole, I'm curious. So you're a former, former educator. When you were walking through this school, what was your experience? Oh my goodness. Well, I have to say, I felt such a tug to to go back into the classroom. And I have not had that tug in years if I think maybe the full 10 years I've been out of the classroom, um, I felt I felt a tug again because the space is so clearly designed to encourage kids and teachers. And I, I yeah, I wanted to be there. Um, I loved the, just again, how intentional it was. So each individual classroom looked amazing. I actually didn't spend a whole lot of time looking at those because I was more drawn to the meeting spaces that were created. So they have these pods that are set up and each teacher has her own individual classroom, which I think is necessary. And there's a big meeting space that is in the middle of all of the, the pod classrooms so that the whole grade level can gather there. And it's not just an open space. It is an open space. Plus, they have storage cabinets. There is a sink that's available so that they can do science work together. And I mean, I just think back to when I was teaching second grade and we, the way that ours was set up, our grade level was as concentrated as it could possibly be, but it still meant that we were quite spread out Mm. and our school was overcrowded. So I was in a portable, right? So we would have to find these strange like porch areas where we could all gather. We could never gather as a complete grade level. We'd have to split up. And so I I was really feeling the beauty of that, of really getting to be one grade level that does things together. The other thing I just really adored too was the sensory wall and the idea that you get to encourage kids to touch the walls. I Which mean, they're I just, gonna do. They're like, going to do, <laughs> and they are welcomed and encouraged there, and that's just so amazing. Um, also, the the playground just seemed incredible. I mean, so many unique things to do. Yeah, yeah. they had like special pads underneath to help 
cushion it. Ah, oh, so smart. So smart. Mm-hmm. So smart. Yeah, it was just lovely. It was lovely. I Oh, and a meeting room. There's a meeting room for the grade level teachers. Oh. I mean, we would just pick a, you know, one teacher's classroom and that's where we would have our our planning periods. Mm-hmm. But holy cow, to have a dedicated space. Yeah. Because I would imagine like, you could even put out your yearly plan and it could stay there as your grade level. Yeah. Right? You can really be together so intentional about where the year is headed and how you want to plan for it. And uh, having a dedicated space like that just seems yeah. like the bee's knees. I mean, I, yeah. 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 It's making me think a little bit too about our talk with Candace Hunter and how her business is about helping new teachers set up their classrooms and provide them the tools so that things can run smoothly, things that you might not even think about. Like she said, having like an extra stapler and not putting certain things behind you so the kids are behind your desk. And it makes me think with this new school, the way you're designing to make things as frictionless as possible so that they can run smoothly, they can flow into one another, and how much easier it is to have a good experience because you're not constantly like stuck in that friction and having yes. those friction points. And and no one, from what I could see, has been left out of that design plan, right? It's good for kids. It's good for teachers. I'm going to guess that it's good for parents. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just was really – it was really – Amazing and great. <laughs> so yes, yes. As a former educator, I would have, I would have loved to work there. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Ah, oh, I love it. Well, maybe we can go back for a community meeting because they have a great space. There you go. And uh, I, I so appreciate that. I, we, I just think in general we need more communal spaces. Thank God there's libraries, <laughs> places that you can go and don't have to pay for or pay a small, a nominal fee for. Right. Um, but we wanted to highlight this because this was made this was made by a school bond. This was able to be <laughs> built because a school bond was passed. And again, you know, part of our mission is to just emphasize the importance of voting and how voting has real impacts on communities. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw this amazing new school, Smith Elementary School, that was built because the school bond passed. So pay a little bit more attention when there's school bonds on your ballots. And if you don't understand what's in there, call your school board trustees. They they had a hand in forming what was prioritized. So ask them or ask the superintendent. Um, and they will, I'm sure they'll be happy to explain it and let you know what you're voting for or against. And I'm going to guess, yeah, exactly what you're saying, that they'd be really eager, honestly, to share what they've learned because that's probably the piece of it that is mysterious, right, is how to get the word out and how to make sure people know what they're advocating for. So definitely ask those questions. Boy, I'm learning about all the questions that I have not asked over the years. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely feel a new kind of burning fire to ask, ask, ask. It's worth it. People actually want to give answers, I find, for the most part. And so, yes, agreed. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, it's fun going to these events because then you're part of that community and, and, you know, all, a lot of the elected, there was many elected officials there that spoke. So the school board trustees were there, other community members, and it's nice to be amongst Mayor one Adler another. Mayor was there. Yeah. There was a and county to, judge. Mm-hmm. So um, if you see these events happening and you're 
be curious. Just go check it out. Say hello. And and this is another great way to get to know your local elected officials because they're there just like us touring the schools and enjoying um, the facilities that were able to be built and that are now a part of our community. And I will throw out too, right, that they're in some ways, besides our podcast, I'm I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't live in Del Valley ISD. So, you know, kind of why was I there? Um, however, I will say that, you know, I did get to put my eyes on the mayor. I do now know who a county judge is. I did get to shake the hands of some of the Education Foundation members. I definitely met people who I wouldn't otherwise have met. And that was incredibly beneficial. Also, for me, just to now have a taste of what bond measures really do for a community and why they're important and why mm-hmm. I would, I think, from this point on, ask questions and take a look and peel back the curtain and go behind the ballot of these things. Yeah, you really don't have to be a direct beneficiary. Yeah, that's the word, beneficiary of of the thing, I think, to appreciate it and get get something out of it. Yeah, exactly. You perk up a little bit more. You're like, oh, yeah, I I know what that's about. (laughs) Oh, okay. And how about this, too? Another thing, this is what I was reflecting on as I was driving home, which is that, um, well, I'm going to speak for myself. Let me remind myself that I'm speaking for me, that the state of national politics can be incredibly frustrating for me. Um, The headlines, it it can sometimes just feel as if there is a gathering of power that it's impossible to fight back against. Sometimes I can get caught up in that mindset. And so showing up to things like this reminds me of how powerful local politics is, how community service oriented people are, and that there are public servants who are 100% dedicated to the public good and that communities matter and that they can do things that benefit many and that people are doing that work. So it's also, there's also just a benefit of hope and optimism that I get Mm -hmm. to take home with me. And I do not underestimate the value of that. It's hugely important just to my mindset and remembering to stay positive. It is worth it to hang in. I love that. That's well said, Nicole. Well, let's end there. Thank you for listening to this episode and stay tuned for more episodes on education as we continue learning how it all works in the state of Texas. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks everybody and have a good one.